Thanks to everybody who supported the show this week via Patreon, including Dan Lane, Alistair Harding, Ian Wilkinson, Matt Lacey, Tim Edwards, Ilya Coelia, Roland Robertson, Jamie Holland. If you'd like to support the show from $1 per episode, go to 361podcast.com slash support. Right then. Don't even think I've got any jokes, so... Great, let's move on. <laughs> it hasn't really been a very jokes kind of week, to be honest. I lost my job at the bank. An old lady came up to the cashier counter and uh, asked me to check her balance, so I pushed her over. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I quite like that. That's good. Uh, Thanks for your enjoyment. Yeah. Shall we record the show? Yeah. <laughs> it's very much a let's get this over with yeah. this evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Okay. Mandatory <laughs> fun. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Next. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile technology and the world around it. My name is Ben Smith. I'm Ewan McLeod. And I'm Rafe Blanford. This is Season 19, Episode 7, and this week we're talking about voice assistants, how we use them, what they're good for, and how we think they're going to evolve in the future. Chaps, how are you doing? Yes. Very well, thank you, Ben. And how are you doing? I'm good, thank you for asking, Rafe Blanford. Getting better at asking you that now, after 19 seasons. Mm. 19 seasons and nine years or something ridiculous, and finally you've remembered this, three of us. It's nice, thank you, I'm good, yeah. It's nice to see you both. We've talked about not uh, talking about contemporary events on the podcast, because it it dates the show, and Mm. uh, we've got a bit of a a lag on uh, recording versus uh, releasing, but... um, I think last time we recorded was nearly a month ago now, and there's been a bit of a gap in recordings whilst the um, backlog's cleared, and Mark, our editor, was unwell, but he's back. He's alive. Yay. He survived. So welcome back, Mark, and thank you for recovering. Not dead great. Well, he's, he's brilliant, but also it is just such a hassle hiring new staff. It really just <laughs> saved me a lot, of, a lot of time finding a new uh, editor and producer. So uh, that's, uh, that's why you should go for indentured servitude. Yeah, it's a big weight off my mind, certainly. So, you know, delighted he's back. But um, as we record, happier news. I think we were talking about uh, it being locked down and stuff last time, but happier news, the prospect of maybe a vaccine and going outside, which is, you know, I didn't think I'd miss going on trains and stuff. And for those listening, you know, three or four weeks in advance. Oh. You know, let, let's say the opposite now. Yeah. Exactly. Isn't yeah, that a shame about that? And so on. <laughs> and as I said to you How last frustrating. time. frustrating. Yeah. Can't believe they didn't mention the asteroid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yes, I hope, you know, people who live three to four weeks in the future, I hope it's still positive news. Yes. So, yeah, fairly upbeat. You and McLeod, you're coming to us live from Muscat, Amman, where it is late, late, late. It is late, late, late. Still very warm, very nice. Dark outside, obviously. The air conditioning is off. So aircon is off and the fridge freezer is off. And the other fridge freezer is off. So you've now got... Because yeah. your comfort is not as important as the audio quality Absolutely of your buttery not, no. smooth audio. Buttery smooth. Thank you very much for your help there, Mark. And I hope you're hearing me in um, all three dimensions or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that works, but it's whatever the sound people say. <laughs> it's, it's late but where it's you better are. Than so we'll Blanford, give you a pass. That's what's important. Yeah, there we go. And Rafe Blanford coming to us live from Central London with his growing plant collection. That is absolutely right, Ben. The plant is now reaching round the corner, and I've had to buy some little stickers to attach it to the wall with and it's it's sort of going triffid like at the moment is that it's going to come into your fridge freezer there you need to be careful well that's what it's doing but it's actually much further around the other corners i point very helpfully in this audio format podcast (laughs) well it's along the wall that's not good that is not good you shouldn't be doing that as we look at Rafe, there is very much the growing air of Kew Botanic Gardens, you know, as, uh, as Rafe is increasingly enveloped by foliage during <laughs> each recording. So I just say, I worry that there'll come a point where it's mostly the plants that live in your house and you just get to visit. Uh, so it's good to see you both. So a quick bit of follow-up. Uh, mm. Obviously, it's been a big, long time for us, but uh, in podcast time, it was just last episode, we launched the special Send Us a Review Challenge. So if you'd like to get a postcard from Rafe Blanford, one of his exquisite selection of concrete slash concrete ornaments slash historical monuments, postcards, Rafe Blanford will send you one in exchange just for a podcast review. Anyone who uh, lets us know that they've submitted a podcast review on iTunes. Globally. We don't care where you live, just your local iTunes 
podcast review. If you do that as well, we'll enter you into a draw to win this limited edition, brand new inbox, Blanford Manor mug, which was previously a very exclusive item just for Patreon supporters a couple of years ago, which has come out of the archives for a special giveaway. Mm. So if you'd like to do that, if, as I did, I had forgotten how awful Apple's podcast ecosystem was. So the last time we talked about this, we said, oh, do a review, do a review. And then I went to sort of just check how you do a review Mm. to write it up. And I realized that you can't do a review from the desktop anymore. You've got to do it from your mobile device. So if you're on Android or if you're on an iOS device and you don't use Apple's podcast app, and I don't, or if, frankly, it's too hard because I found actually that leaving a review was a real pain, actually. If you'd like to leave a review, but frankly, that all of that is just too hard, post a review on Twitter instead, or post a review somewhere on social media. Or email it. Or email it, but stick a review anywhere. And I think we need to broaden it out a bit, because I don't think having to struggle through Apple's podcast review process should be a limiting factor. So if you'd like to leave a review, but uh, it's not convenient for you to do an iTunes one, just do a review anywhere, send us a link to it, and uh, we'll factor you in. I think we made that promise before we realised how hard it was. Yeah, wait a minute. But you, you are going to get a handwritten... All the same offers apply. I'm just saying if you'd prefer to enter a different way, that's absolutely fine. And I think also Rafe's very uh, flippant comment in the podcast last time about how hard could it be, and we would never receive enough reviews to... Um... Oh, he's holding up a lovely selection of stamps and postcards Oh, there. what's that that's then, Rafe? Gone. Lovely. I have specially bought for the occasion Christmas-themed yeah. ones, so if you could do this before Christmas, you're quite likely to get a Christmas-themed postcard. That's gorgeous. At least the first 10 or so. Lovely. Well, there you go. (laughs) If we get that far. (laughs) Well, so Rafe was also very flippant about the numbers, so I would like to prove him wrong to the tune of many, many hundred postcards. Can I draw your attention to the review that we got four years ago from Midge Slayer? Well, this is the one that we mentioned in last week's episode, as the listeners will have heard to it, but it's still my favourite one. It's gone read it out. I love it. The title is Tiresomely Self-Important One Star. And then then the body is quite extensive. It just simply says, see title. So there we go. And there are some weeks I agree with him, let's be honest. (laughs) Most weeks, if I'm honest. But there are are some other nice ones, nicer ones. Oh yeah, there are lots of nice ones, but I have to say it's that one. And actually that one's made me laugh more than any other review. So I I definitely think there should be some kind of uh, waiting factor for reviews that make us laugh more. But fire them in, send them social media or 361podcast.com. Or stick them on iTunes and our special robot will collect them, whichever iTunes store yes. you use locally around the world. Doesn't matter. They are all separate, but we can see them all in an aggregated view. So let us know and that will be great. So any follow-up for you gentlemen before we get into the bones of this week's episode? Just really enjoying my Samsung experience. Oh dear, I'm sorry to hear that. I've got my Note 2050 Ultra, whatever that, you know, Max. You know, it's, it's getting really silly when you start the phone up. You know, just they're doing the same as Apple, you know. Apple iPhone 12 Pro Max Plus. It's like they've all let Microsoft do their product naming conventions, isn't it? Yeah, They really have, yeah. So anyway, I'm continuing to love my Buds Live. That's the headphones. Lovely. For the Samsung. Perfect naming. Because I'm living in both ecosystems. It's quite annoying. Yeah. So that's why I got myself the Buds. I use my Android phone for work, iPhone for personal. I have to say I'm really loving the screen on this and the camera is something else on this Note. Note 25G. But talking of cameras, as we record, we're just in the week of the uh, iPhone 12 Pro Maxes, the big ones, and the new iPhone minis shipping out to people on Friday. So I'm looking forward to getting to my iPhone 12 Pro Max. I'm with the young boy. I'm very much in the camp of don't care about anything except the best camera on the device because photos are important to us Mm. and everything else be damned. But I've, (laughs) I've I've got a taster, so I'm holding it up again. Ooh. My case has arrived. But my phone hasn't yet, so I have an inkling about how big it will be, (laughs) but not what it'll be like. So I'm looking forward to that. Great. And then just one really for a future episode. I think I said to you last time I'd bought a bunch of Tardo thermostats and things in the Prime Day sales. They're all in, installed and working now. We've had them on for a while. So Are you you hooge? Hooge? Cozy. Well, my house is very hooge. Yeah, yes. it's it's very nice. But we're learning about the foibles of these products and what works well and what works poorly. So right. we'll um, we'll come back to that in a future episode. But if you've got any questions about smart eating systems and that kind of stuff, fire away because or recommendations yeah. or indeed if yeah if you've got any if you've got any experiences you want to share, uh, definitely appreciate any feedback from listeners. So we'll do an episode on that soon. More smart home stuff. But uh, that's been one I've been wanting to do for a while now, and we're all set up. Mm. And I have to say. 
between you, me, and everyone who's listening, the way the Tardo devices looked was about sort of 80% of my buying decision as well. So uh, it's not always just about the features. The experience. Well, sometimes mm. you don't want it to look like you've strapped a 1980s Casio wristwatch to mm. every room in mm. your house. You want just something nice and tasteful. So that's the plan. Okay, gentlemen, well, we should move on because we've got a big topic we're going to discuss Let's do this it. evening. And we're going to talk about voice assistants and... We're going to try and talk about voice assistants without setting them off. Yeah, so do not, do not mention Mm -hmm. the A word, okay? I've been watching a few uh, YouTube episodes about this kind of topic recently, and some of the podcasts, they call it Hey Cylinder or Hey Dingus. The the guys on (laughs) ATP podcast call it Dingus. And um, there's a guy I really like uh, on YouTube who calls it She Who Should Not Be Named, referring to the Amazon one. But we'll, we'll do our best to dodge that topic and not set off all these voice assistants. But I just wanted to start off. Let's just do a baseline. I've wanted to talk about voice assistants for a long time now because I think it's one of those things that we keep mentioning over and over again in shows, but we never do really talk about them as a subject in their own right. They're always in the basis of they're hooked up to something or I used it in this way or I, that mm. funny thing happened or whatever. And I just thought it was time to revisit because we're into the point now where nearly everybody I know has a voice assistant in their house. And I wanted to check in with you guys. What have you got? And what do you use? And let's right. get that out of the way before we talk about, you know, other stuff about the pros and cons. Yes. So Rafe Blanford, you've been uncharacteristically quiet. What voice assistants are there in Shea Blanford and what do you use them for? Well, I got pretty much every one because... Get you. Partly, I think, for work reasons, I just like trying out the new things as they come out. So behind me, I've got one of the um, uh, Google screen-based devices. The Nest Hub. Uh, branded yeah. Nest now, yes, Nest Hub. I've got an Alexa, which I've just uh, mentioned the word. Uh, that wasn't uh, very good. Oh dear, that's one pound. One pound. There we go. Straight in the swear jar. The A yeah. word. Yeah. And I've actually probably invested in that more heavily because I've probably got one in nearly every room. What types have you got? We're not actually talking about many rooms. And these are Echoes, remember. They're Echoes. Yes, it's the yes. Echo spot right. in the bedroom because that kind of felt like alarm clock quite like that and still use that some of the echo dots as well mm-hmm. in a spare bedroom and then in the kitchen living room it's uh echo with a screen and then i've also got a couple of the flexes scattered around which are the ones you plug into the wall oh yeah and yeah. then i've got one of the original google assistants which i guess i can say that without triggering it you can yeah and then obviously do use it on the phone, although I would say the most use there is Siri. So I'm not particularly loyal to one or the other, but have picked up a number of the... What about the clock? Have you got a clock? Echo accessories. So yes, I've got the Echo yeah. wall clock and the Echo mm. Flex with different modules plugged into it. actually picked up one relatively recently that they started with the night light in the sensor and they recently added one that has a clock in it. And the reason I got that was because it will count down on your echo timers mm. so if you're in another room you can at a glance see how much time it's left on the timer so rather than buying another clock i just bought the clock module for the flex i would say the use is very evenly split across you know on the phone it's just sometimes quick alarms or reminders and things like that and the occasional quick calculation or conversion whereas for the echoes it's more about smart home control and sometimes asking a question things like weather, public transport, using a few skills, setting off music, playing, listening to the radio, that kind of thing. So I'm probably a fairly heavy voice assistant user as things go. do have a few skills that kind of go to mostly around public transport and integrations with smart home pieces. But thanks to the fact that they've kind of got inferred intent now, I'm starting to notice when I ask a general question sometimes it's still the knowledge graph, but also being passed across to skills on a, a more frequent basis, which has been an interesting evolution in my kind of use of it. Right. Just before we move on, because I'm keen to hear about Shamer Cloud as well, just give us a quick explainer in a sentence on inferred intent, because we're going to come back to that. But what does it mean? So most of the time, the assistants, you've had to invoke a skill or an action, which is the Google equivalent, using a specific invocation phrase. So you say, national rail for getting train results in the uk Mm. now they have started to you can have synonyms but you can also have particular things that point to kind of a bit like doing a search result that takes you straight to the web page it will take you into a skill and give you a result 
and there's some around astronomy that I've been using and I can't because it's inverted I can't actually remember the name of the skill we're starting to see more of those and more of the developers are kind of getting into that and that kind of ability to just use it it switches it away from being kind of something you have to proactively thinking about more towards that ambient computing which is I suspect a phrase we'll come back to you kind of issue a command you don't really care whether it's coming from Alexa's kind Ding. of built-in answers from the knowledge graph which is built on the web or an echo skill two pounds whoops there we go again sorry everybody keep going keep going we're making some cash here and just to be clear then you talked about your astronomy app one of my favorite skills for our device in the kitchen is to use the bbc skill to listen to their radio stations via streaming so i can say play bbc radio 4 and i don't actually have to say i think like i used to hey device please you know ask this skill to play this radio station yeah use something to and it's that kind of shortcut it's just more natural language for the most part and so Mm. it's like the star trek computer command Mm. because i think that's one of the things people think about these voice assistants as conversational actually most of the not they're kind of prompted commands but actually those commands are becoming more natural because you don't have to think about or remember the invocation phrases so, Ewan, yeah. tell us about your house. What devices are you using and where and how? So I'm interested, by the way, Blanford, you said you had all of them. What about uh, Samsung? So I've got a Samsung phone that I hardly ever use Bixby on it because it doesn't seem to have quite the same reliability. That's probably because it's not a primary phone for me. Mm. But I also think the responses it gives, if I've got one of the others around it, it's never kind of a first ask. It's like, oh, I'm out. I've taken my mm. Samsung device and I want to do something hands-free, which is usually sending a message or something like that. Okay, fair point. I use uh, the Google Nest. We've got lots of the Nest screens around uh, just for photos. That's primarily, we use, use them for the uh, just showing photos of the family, whatever, the children really enjoy it. So we then use the voice assistant there, and then we have Echoes all over the place as well. And then the two TVs are Samsung, so they do have Bixby. We've tried, and it's just, I, I, I have wanted to, I have really pushed to try and use it, and it's just not quite there yet, uh, Bixby. But otherwise, um, sorry, I probably, I probably shouldn't be saying that because that's the act. What was it called? I don't think that's the trigger phrase, though. Is it? I think there's a, I think the trigger phrase is more than just the name in the, in for the Samsung. Yeah, you have to say hey, hey thingy. Mm. Yeah, my phone still picked it up though. The children use it a lot. They use the Amazon devices more, but I quite enjoy watching them get their head around it because they're like, oh, okay, because they, they sometimes are, are forgetting which one they're speaking to, so that, that frustrates them. What decides which device they speak to? So what, how do you divide the work? Which one's near them? So we, we happen to have the nests in public areas, basically, so you can see the photos, right? Living room, kitchen areas, and then the Amazon devices are either bedroom or also in the kitchen so they're really next to each other but they they use the amazon stuff for music which is interesting because they don't like the way that the google stuff tends to respond so the, the the children are brutal absolutely brutal if it doesn't work once they never use it again and i do mean and i thought oh, you can try this no nope, no nope, no nope. so they've got to really not using the google devices that much which is quite surprising to me and really they use the amazon ones a lot more yesterday i was doing some uh, a test with uh, with freddie the uh, eight-year-old and uh, I was doing a Zoom from the office, uh, just uh, saying goodnight to him, and we're doing some maths questions. And I was asking him some questions. I didn't know what he was doing. He was putting himself on mute, right? Putting himself on mute, asking the echo the answer. I think I said, what's 331 plus two? <laughs> right? It's really simple, right? 331 plus two, right? But he sees a really big figure and goes, oh, that's going to be... So he puts himself on mute, asks the echo device, and then he then <laughs> unmutes himself and says, 333 i go oh well done well done and it, he actually I, I didn't notice that he was doing this <laughs> didn't notice i think i should have been paying him more attention so that you know it's seamless with them because they're homeschooling at the moment they're back at school next week but the, the homeschooling they use these devices all the time play music and then they're constantly querying so it's going to be interesting to see them back in a in a non-assistant place yeah the one thing they do love is akinator that's uh, on the uh, Echo device. I don't know that one. Is that a skill? It's a skill. And it's basically, it, it can read your mind. And the children are fascinated by this. And I mean, fascinated. Do try it. Someone recommended it to me at some point. And what you do, you say, who am I thinking about? Basically, you, you activate the skill and, and you say, I'm thinking of a character. 
like a movie character, and it asks you a series of questions, maybe 10 questions, something to then say, oh, yeah, are you thinking about Iron Man? Is it Iron Man or is it? So you think of a movie character. Yeah. It's yes or no, yes or no, yes or no. And they are fascinated, absolutely fascinated by this. They, and they completely forget about it. And then I think, hey, and then I, I'll, I'll open, it, open it up and start doing it. And then they, they, they push me out of the way and go, no, 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 no. And then, then they'll spend hours doing this, hours. And they're astonished when it, and they, they go, yeah, yes. When it eventually, obviously gets to the thing. This is the only skill that I have upgraded. So I've paid for this. So there's a basic one, and then you can actually yeah. get animals, movies, objects as well. So I paid the, uh, the $99 equivalent. $99? Sorry, sorry, 99 cents. I was going to say, because that, that is yeah. quite an investment. Sorry, yeah. sorry, 99 cents. The thing is, with you, I can never be sure. It's like, <laughs> money, <laughs> power. You know. No, I was, I was sitting in Archie's room, and he was, he was doing this, and then it said, oh, if you want more, you can upgrade me. And it said it was, it's only 80 pence or mm-hmm. 99 cents. And I said, yeah. And it just bought it there and then really, really effective. Yeah. So I, I think our experience is very similar. I mean, in, in the Smith house, we've got Amazon devices in the kitchen. We've got a big Echo show in the kitchen, the, the biggest one. And we've got a, the original Echo show in the playroom. And then the bedrooms have dots in. And we are almost exclusively a, an Amazon house now from a voice, That's to, voice really assistant. That's really interesting. And I think it's, it's partly because early on there was a bit of novelty about using it and and stuff but now it's sort of become part of regular every day so integrated turning on the music doing kitchen timers even james realized that it will play from amazon prime video so sometimes he'll ask it to play tv shows ah we don't tend to watch them but he on occasion has asked for that on the screen is this for the screen based ones it'll play it on the screen based ones yep he can ask for music we sometimes ask it questions and it gets it right or wrong. I think mm. I said in last week's episode about we were having the discussion about what colour was turquoise and, and we asked it and you know it looked up answers and things and he's going through a phase of really being interested in creatures under the sea. So he'll be asking, you know, kind of how big is this type of shark or where does that type of animal live? Mm. And, you know, he's getting pretty sensible, well crafted answers out of those. So it's become very much just a normal part of our house now. You know, quite a lot of the lights and things in the house are smart, so it can mm. be turned on and off. So you know, that works well. Like you, we have a Samsung TV, and the first thing I did there was turn Bixby off because we tried it once and it didn't seem to make any sense. And, and actually, I think it, it, blew, <laughs> it, it, it blew his mind, it blew, it blew my, my son's mind that there might be a different voice assistant because for him, the Amazon one is the one. You know? right. So we have them all around the house. In my office, I've got a HomePod which I, I have to say I bought because it was on sale speculatively, and I really enjoyed the sound quality out of that. So in my office, I do use Siri to do various controls. And also, I find using a Siri in the car or when I'm running, because our car has CarPlay, mm. and so I can press and hold a stalk on the indicator, and uh, I can trigger sending messages or reading messages or doing basic web queries, you know, what time does the supermarket close or something like that. Over the summer, when I was resting between jobs, we were doing lots and lots of sort of going around. We couldn't go anywhere, but when we were out and about, we were going to buy something or we were going to do some specific task. And so we were using Siri to add things to to to-do lists and to shopping lists a lot because we'd be in the car talking about, right, okay, I've got, you know, I'm going to do this job. I'm going to decorate that thing or I'm going to put that thing up. Okay, I need screws. Remind me to get screws. I need a screwdriver. Remind me to get a screwdriver. And those sorts of things. What are you using? You're using Siri for that? And I was using Siri for that, but it was very noticeable that actually I was the only one triggering the commands. In our house, we've learned that the Amazon device is really the only one that everyone uses. But also it's been fascinating to watch because my son's been using the Amazon voice assistant since he was about three. Mm-hmm. I mean, long before he can read or, or write or anything like that, and he was able to ask for a song. You know, he wouldn't yeah. necessarily say the name of the song, but he'd say, you know, play the doggy song or mm. play the song with the thing that goes like this. And sometimes it would play right, sometimes it wouldn't or whatever. But actually, he was very comfortable with the idea that if you talk to this box on the wall, then a voice would come out and tell you a thing or would play some music. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's interesting. I did a talk last year for some people at work and we talked about what digital meant. And you know, the purpose of the presentation was really to make the point that actually it's a point others have made. It's mostly about expectations. Lots of people get wrapped up thinking it's about technology, but it's not. It's about expectations. You know, He's grown up 
with the idea that the internet is a glass slab that you can carry around the house with mm. all media on it everywhere, and that there's a box in the kitchen that will play any song that you like whenever. You know, the idea of buying music is totally alien to him. You know, it's just all there, you know, yes. available for him. Yes. So, yeah, it's been fascinating. But I just wanted to go on and, and so sort of next up, as it were, I just wanted to talk about what we thought the various strengths and weaknesses mm. are, because I think for me, and actually I, I think it probably goes for you as well, Ewan, seeing the way that we use the Amazon voice assistant is essentially because they were home computing devices first. Right. You know, they came into the home and we hooked them up to our Wi-Fi. And therefore, the things that they were good at were those jobs in communal spaces. So yes. kitchen timers, mm. playing music, mm. even, you know, I know sh- showing photos isn't a particularly exciting job, but it does that well and it yes. integrates to photos. Yes. And it means that it's a sort of a, those devices with screens on are more aesthetically pleasing than just mm. another lump of electronics sitting on a coffee table. But the counterpoint to that is that I've always felt that Siri was only really very good at doing phone stuff. And actually, yeah. it was interesting to see where they started. Rafe, I've really tried not to use the Google Assistant because, frankly, I don't like the idea of Google having a microphone in my home. We'll come on to privacy in a moment. But you you're know fine my feelings. with Amazon having a microphone in your home. Yes. I mean, objectively, yes. Like, there's a, there's a line, and I, I've, I've drawn it between Google and Amazon. Okay. <laughs> I may regret that. But is your experience from having all of them that Google does the best job of being good in all the places? Because that was always my observation was the Amazon product on the phone is terrible because it only works in an app. Siri outside of the phone is poor because it doesn't have any of those skills or the breadth of capabilities. And I've always wondered, actually, reluctantly, was I kind of self-selecting out the best assistant? I think it's tricky because it depends on what equipment you've got. Because obviously, when you're on an iPhone, Siri is very convenient. And as I said, I'm not particularly loyal to one or the other. But I suspect it's fair to say that Google Assistant does sort of have that consistency. And I've used TVs with it in, you know, been in cars with it in. Mm. It works. You can use the apps on the phones as well. And yeah, I think the experience on something like a Pixel device is pretty good. I'd also say there's another layer below that in terms of what they're good at. Mm. Amazon has the most comprehensive skill selection, and they've obviously spent a lot of time talking about and thinking about the voice UX of certain features. And I, you know, I refer to the Echo Wall Clock. I really like that just as a thing. And it's something that's gone down well with parents and friends as presents because it's just really simple and it appeals to the timers that a lot of people do use it for. And similarly, I think Amazon has pushed on using the screen sensibly as well. And when it comes to the default queries, but Google has much better depth in its knowledge graph in that it is pulling things out of the Google search engine and the knowledge graph it has there. And so you're more likely to get an intelligent, sensible answer out of it. Alexa's come a long way and I do feel like they caught up a bit there recently. Three. There we go again. Is that three pounds now? It's three pounds. The thing is, for a lot of the basic commands, it doesn't matter which one you use, you'll get the response Mm. that you need. And I think for me, the, the whole change of this is interesting because obviously come the idea of voice assistance has been around for a little while and going back, you can see it on the early P days. I remember the um, Sony Ericsson P800 had a magic word that you could say and then it would respond to voice commands to do text messages and things like that. But Echo and Amazon's efforts, they just had their sixth birthday a few days ago. It's pretty amazing to think where we've come in six years and the level of ownership and mm. the degree of sophistication that you're now having from what I would describe as kind of an app and computing device. And I use it regularly. I don't think about it. And you've commented on, you know, children and for others, it's just become embedded in their life. And for something that was around and people always used to talk about, oh, I don't really want to talk to my phone or my PDA. It's interesting that in the home, it's become accepted that you can kind of talk to this disembodied thing. And I think that's encouraged uptake more generally. And it's noticeable that we've seen the voice assistants go everywhere. Like mm-hmm. you get it in your fridge, your microwave. It's yeah. not, you know, in the car and they're being built in. It's being voiced as a, a big feature. It's in watches. And we do seem to have consolidated around Google Assistant and the Amazon Echo. Can we just take a, a quick diversion to talk about scalability? Because mm-hmm. you know, one, of the, one of the things I've struggled with, actually two things I've struggled with, One, we have Amazon devices in adjacent rooms, and they're relatively good 
at both listening and selecting which you're closest to. But on an, you know, enough occasions to be annoying, I'll say, You'll activate hey, the hey Gizmo, yeah. turn the lights on, and the lights on the playroom will turn on uh-huh. because the device in that room heard me better than the device of the room I'm in because I was actually physically closer to the playroom. I was near the door of the playroom when I, when I said it, you know, not, not in the kitchen. So it's been interesting to see how certainly Amazon's devices do, and I think the Apple ones I've used as well, do have this ability to sort of recognize that another device is triggered and not do mm. the same instruction everywhere, but they still don't seem to be quite dumb in that regard. The thing that triggered from what Rafe was saying was about lights. So in our kitchen, we've got five lighting zones, and then we've got some table lamps and these sorts of things. So I've probably got about eight or nine different instructions I can give to turn lights on in various corners and table lamps. And we have a lantern, you know, sort of a glass window in the roof of our kitchen, and that's got some lighting in it. And we can say, turn the lights on in there as well. And these are all hue bulbs, which is fantastic. But actually, we really struggled to name those zones and to come up with things that kind of sounded natural because there comes a point where giving the verbal instruction to please turn on this zone and this zone and this zone, but not that zone or turn this one off and set this to, this is my favorite one, set this one to warm white or daylight or bright white (laughs) for the various colors. And when you're starting to do that, for me, it feels like it's tripped over back into kind of um, too much tech. You know, I want to go back to a remote control or a button or something to press a, you know, kind of a preset scene or something like that. So how do you get on with having so many voice assistant devices in your house? See, I, I get quite irritated when they don't work. I like technology to work. And <laughs> it is supremely annoying when I'm, uh, I might be sitting with, with Hetty on the sofa. And you know, we're chatting away and then I, I, I can, it's, either the music needs to go off or up or down or, or whatever. And then I'll issue the command. Yeah, interrupting the conversation. Okay, that's a problem still because you can't simply say, oh, "Turn the music down." Right, you have to say, "Activate." Please turn the music. Yeah, and you have to you have to mm. expressively say it. And then it's even more annoying when you do that and it doesn't respond to you, right? Because you're a little bit further away. So that annoys me. I, but then I'm just thinking how the children handle it. Yeah, they they do get very very frustrated as well. So I think it's something they haven't quite got right yet. Fair enough, and I'm I'm wondering, you know, when will we get a house? Yeah, you know, when will you buy a house that has got integrated Google Assistant? Yeah, you know, and it's just proper microphones everywhere, like everywhere. That I think will change things. And on that score, Rafe, we talk about integrated assistants. You know, like a, a microwave or a light or a cooker or something having an integrated assistant. But my experience of those, and I, we don't have any in the house, but my experience of, of demoing those is that. It's a fridge with an Amazon device kind of blue tacked on. Mm. And so you're not talking to the fridge. You're just talking to the assistant through the fridge. And actually, it makes me worry that as you get more and more connected devices, the usability is going to reduce because all these different devices are going to be arguing about kind of which one you were closest to. And, you know, to be blunt about it, one of the reasons we bought the large Echo Show was I'm not sure that it performs particularly well, but in the hope that it would have a good speaker and good microphones so that it would be able to hear us anywhere in the kitchen. But if I'm standing next to the terrible microphone in the microwave that mishears me a lot or triggers but then doesn't do what I wanted, I wonder how integrated assistants are going to be more than just, you know, kind of a bit of software and a microphone running in a microwave that doesn't otherwise need it. Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's two schools of thought on this. It basically costs like probably less than a dollar now to have the necessary chipset to add voice to an existing device. And then, as you said, the quality of the microphone, whether you're using the array microphones or the far field ones, as uh, gets talked about, basically the distance over which they can hear and pick up stuff. And of course, then there is clever software behind the scenes that knows which one to respond on and things like that. But when you've got a mishmash, and I think, you know, that's great. But yet, it is one of the challenges because I'm in a relatively small room and it can pick up from just one device. But that becomes more problematic as you, kind of, like you say, stand next to one. I also kind of wondered, there's a bit of a race between, and I think this is the second point, between a network effect, the benefit of having everything within the Echo or the Google or whatever ecosystem. And it's just like smart home in this respect. In some ways, voice assistants feel like a bit of a proxy for a smart home, at least in the home. But it's equally possible to have things that just are in isolation and 
sometimes that adds a lot of the value. You know, Benedict Evans was tweeting recently and sort of saying, actually, his belief that, you know, smart home might be a bit overhyped and actually just individual ones that are smart and being able to say to the microwave, like cook something for 15 seconds, it's going to be entirely possible to do that. And just, you know, calling it microwave, that's probably going to be good enough in most circumstances to get the right thing. So will we be in a world where, you know, it's sort of everything is its own thing, not part of a wider ecosystem? Because that challenge, and we've had it with early smart home, and I feel I get this with a lot of this, is it is tacked on. They don't really think about it. They don't think about the functionality that's served up. How useful is it being able to turn on your washing machine or do something to your cooker or whatever? And I, I think if you get the experience right, it's valuable. But being at CES the last few years, it was just like, oh, we'll add voice to it and not really worry about the experience. And so mm. for me, it's a combination of things. For some people, like it's just good enough to have voice command because it's convenient from across the room or you don't have to remember which knob to turn or which button to get right or how long to set the timer for. But for others, getting that network and getting that experience right and getting the skill right is really important because, you know, frankly, it's the classic tech thing. It needs to fit in mm. and be easier mm. than the kind of the manual way to do it. I fear a lot of the time we're still not there yet. Got a question for the both of you then. Right. This is, you know, 361, the podcast about mobile technology and the world around it. Awesome. Awesome. But how many voice commands have you issued today? Oh, because um, I'm embarrassed to say none. I don't think I've issued any today. Quite a few. So I, so every time I brew coffee, I set a timer to remind me to go and stop it okay. brewing in the right. kitchen, turn the lights on and off, played some streaming radio from the BBC while I was having my breakfast came into the office and turned my lights on verbally here. I suppose looking ahead this evening, every evening. So uh, again, just because of the house, I tend to, coming into bed, I try and leave the lights in the landing off because if we turn them on, my son's bedroom door is open a bit and it sometimes wakes him up. So I tend to walk into the bedroom and I talk to the voice assistant to turn the lamps on. You whisper, turn it on. I can do that as I'm walking across the landing. And it doesn't mean basically not having that thing of, as you're going to bed of an evening, sort of turning the lights on, then being blindingly bright, you know, sort of then turning them off. And so I use quite a lot. So is that 10 commands a day? Is that or more? It probably is 10 or 20 instances, depending on how you count it, that kind of range. But from a very small set, it's lots of lights on, lights off, timers and radio and music. And those three or four kind of different commands I might mm. issue in different rooms at different times of the day. Okay. But we're not very diverse. You know, like my son will be asking for different things, perhaps more music and playing games like your children are. How about you, Rafe? I think I'm a similar pattern to Ben. I've just checked my app and there's about six or seven commands from today, most of which are alarm related, couple of smart home ones and then a timer. But I'm also aware that I've used Siri a few times just to do quick calculations. So I'm probably between 10 and 15 a day. Yeah, I suppose the one I missed, because I haven't used it today, but I think is probably, aside from music and entertainment, it's the most valuable in our house, is we use the Amazon shopping list feature. So we don't mm. buy things from Amazon, but we can say, hey, Gizmo, you know, add this to the shopping list. And then that's the shopping list that we then go and do our shopping from. And that is brilliant because as you use the last of something, or as you take the last one out of the cupboard, you shout across, you put, it in, that's put it on the shopping yeah. list. And it's like going up to write it on the list in the fridge like you would have had before. Mm. And, th and that is really useful. And I think, as I said earlier, when I've been doing projects and things, and you just feel totally overwhelmed by all of the things you need to do, the ability to just say, add this to the list, add this to the list, like a to-do yeah. list or yes. a reminders list is just great because I can just feel the stress kind of going away. And to be able to got do that, yeah all the time and I don't have to walk around with a notepad and pen and write mm. it down. So Benedict Evans is a, is a famous and well-respected analyst and I saw what he wrote and <laughs> he's going to be right because he's famous and well-respected and I'm not. But I think he was overly dismissive of smart home things because the thing that I like most about using voice assistants in our house is where I've done a little bit of work and the voice assistant is the switch, you know, trigger this thing, turn this thing on or off. So I don't walk into the bedroom and say, turn the lights into bedroom mode or, hey, mm. gizmo, it's nighttime, I will go into bed and triggering scenes that way. 
what I've done is I've written a little bit of code in my smart things hub that says, if I turn the bedroom lights on after 10 p.m., dim them down to 30% and turn them to warm light. If I turn them on in the morning between this time and this time, bring them up to this color temperature and this light. And so what I've done is I've got a sort of a bit of logic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The smartness is time of day and context and which devices are on and which devices are off. And I've kind of codified a very crude set of rules. And then the voice assistant is just a very convenient way to turn those things on. But it's almost like the combined value of having a device that's context sensitive and being able to control it by voice. That's the value overall. Because if I tried to do that just with voice, if I tried to specify all those things every time, it would be more hassle than it was worth. Right. And that's where I think he's kind of right, but in the wrong way, because I don't think smart home and voice assistants are some novelties or he sort of dismissed them as things that won't persist. I think we'll just stop thinking of lights that change their color by day or lights that go out when you stop talking to them to go to sleep. They're not smart. They're just Mm. useful. You know, and that definition for smart will probably move a bit. We're a bit over time, but I wanted to move on and do a bit of future gazing Mm. because this is definitely early days. And Rafe, one of the things that has improved least and I was curious about was what you touched on earlier in the the show, which is around context. And you talked about inferred intent. Amazon's ecosystem has this idea that you can tell their app, which room is my Echo device in? And then when you say turn on the lights, what you mean is the lights in this room, the lights for the room that heard me. But there's quite a lot of things that I kind of hoped that we would get now. Like when I talk to the device quietly, it turns the music on more quietly. Or when the ambient sound level is low, it plays back lower. Or when I talk quickly or there's a lot of background noise, it could say I'm having trouble hearing you rather than just doing the wrong thing. And then there's all these kinds of things that... I like to say thank you to them. I like it to say you're welcome. Well, exactly. And you know, maybe even... I should probably say thank you to it as well, but I quite like it to be able to have it so that when my son talks to it, you know, it reminds him to say thank you because that's similar to the interactions we'd have with him. You know, <laughs> I want breakfast. Sorry, <laughs> I would like breakfast, please. Yeah. Okay, now you're having breakfast. You know, and that that's a that's a conversation we have every single morning. That's, that's a great addition. Yeah, it could be a great addition. So, Rafe, you're suggesting that there's some smarts in terms of inferred intent, but how is it that we've got to inferred intent about I'd like to listen to the radio, but not last night we had the music up loud because we had you know, we don't anymore, but we had friends over and we had the music up at seven. And this morning, if I say, you know, play the news, I don't want it blasting out at seven because that wakes the whole house up. I want it back at four, like it always is in a volume level. I think some of those things are harder to pull off than others. And things like multi-room audio or context of which room you're in have been coming along. And, you know, sometimes these things add features without us kind of noticing and it's noticeable that it will now recognize an individual user and you can have preferences around that user and it will respond in a different way because it'll recognize a voice or indeed not respond to a voice because it's not the right one. But I also think there's probably a temptation to try and keep things simple, to not turn everything on at once. And Amazon has played and looked at various experiments and there are patents. I mean, one of the ones that caught my attention was there's a frustration mode that's been talked about which you can kind of almost sense when you're annoyed with it and yeah. it will either apologize or sometimes it will choose to take you through a set of actions more quickly. And it's a bit like verbose mode and non-verbose mode, which mm. you're starting to see come in as well. So I think those things are coming. It's just solving the voice recognition thing was the first thing that happened and really is why they came to the fore six years ago because you got over the 95% recognition. Mm, mm. It's much harder challenge to kind of do emotion and context because, you know, that does require a certain amount of setup sometimes. But I do agree with you. Some like the volume stuff on music seems like a no-brainer to me. So I think we will see more of it. And I think you're maybe underestimating the number of things that have changed in the last few years in particular. But I also think Amazon is sometimes driven by looking for new markets. And so, you know, like this summer, I think there was Alexa, which I've just mentioned the word again, sorry, everybody, for residential. Four, four pounds. Which enables property managers to centrally manage their Echo-enabled smart mm. properties. And we've seen the same thing for hotels and starting to be used in enterprise applications and the idea that you might put an echo or equivalent in every meeting room. So those developments are coming along. And even if you just look at you know, the various bits of research and data out there that don't 
all agree, but there's a rising tide. There is more use of it going on. There's certainly great awareness of it. The kind of anecdata that you refer to, all your friends have one, I think is not unusual whether everyone's using it. So I kind of remain optimistic and I also see kind of the experiments with the payments within skills have come on. We're just starting to see more voice commerce be pushed along. There's a company called Send Me a Sample, which is basically set up to, you can ask Alexa to, oops, there we go again, sorry. <laughs> Five pounds. Expensive week for you this week, right? <laughs> it is. Is that, by the way, is, sorry, is it for every listener? Is that the deal? A pound for every listener? Five pounds? Uh, no, yeah. no, I, I think not, because that could be very expensive. Okay, just checking. Um, so a pound for both of them. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think it's happening. And Amazon does and Google both have a regular drumbeat. You know, a couple of times a year, they're announcing new developer features and things like quiet mode and some of the other things that have been added. I mean, even in the last few days, there have been a bunch of announcements. And as I said, we've just had the sixth anniversary and I'm sure we'll get some more before Christmas and they just have the whole bunch of new devices. But it's also things around security. You know, there's been changes in how long they keep your voice data and bits and pieces. So. Uh, maybe you're being a bit harsh at the moment. Potentially, you need to have yes. Patience. Well, no, but no, we're not good at patience on this podcast. Let's put a pin no. in security because I do want to come back to it before we close out the show. But the other thing, then, looking forward, was we've talked about the three, arguably the three largest voice assistants in the markets that we're familiar with. So we've talked about Google's one, Amazon's one, and Apple's one. And they're interesting because Amazon exists primarily in devices in the home, overwhelmingly. Siri exists overwhelmingly on mobile devices oh. and Google seems to span the two. And I'm curious about whether or not the slightly artificial battle between them, where they all want to do all of the jobs and they all want to only have their own assistants natively integrated into their devices, is actually how this will continue to play out. Because, for example, at the moment, it doesn't feel credible to me that houses that have bought Amazon voice assistant devices are going to rip them all out and replace them with HomePods, for example, right. because they're so different. And yet talking to one versus the other or talking to Alexa via a phone or talking to Siri via a third-party home assistant. You said it. I didn't say the trigger word, though. No, you did. No, you have to say hey thingy oh, okay. to trigger that one. <laughs> no, 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 you said the A word. Hey. Okay, it doesn't matter. Anyway, we'll listen to it and play Listen Listeners know. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I don't understand to be wrong. But I'm curious, do you think that we'll carry on where each of these devices will just have essentially one assistant built in and that you're going to have to think about the device you're talking to and target the assistant on it? Or actually, do you think it's going to be to the point where we start to buy devices because the assistant actually is the ecosystem and we start to choose, you know, oh, I'm only oh. going to buy Amazon devices now because that's the assistant that we've learned to talk to and does the best job for us? What about you, Ewan? Yeah, I, actually, I think that's probably where it will probably go. I can see the children just, they have really huge frustration, as I say, when they say the wrong activation word. And it's unnaturally strange, I find, when, when they're, because um, yeah, it's quite straightforward. I remember, I remember, they don't. They'll use the wrong one for the wrong thing. They don't have tolerance for it. So I think I'll need to just choose one. Their one is, is Amazon. That's, that seems to be their preference, which it, it has surprised me because I, I use the Google Assistant a lot on the Nest beside my bed uh, or say our bed, but they much prefer Amazon. So I think we are moving toward only being Amazon. And then I think for various different commercial reasons, for the longest time, you're not going to be able to go and buy an Amazon device that will run Google. And Rafe, I can't understand in my own mind which way this is going to go because I feel inclined to say, this is about ecosystem lock-in and everybody wants their voice assistant to become the primary one you use so that you then buy their devices in the way that Ewan's just described. But if we then look at music, which is one of the biggest reasons to use these devices, mm. both on mobile and at home, increasingly they're opening up so that in the future, the HomePod will play music from Apple's service and from Spotify and from third-party services. Amazon's devices had third-party music integration for a long time and allowed you to set them as the default. And actually, they're becoming more integrated and there are Apple skills in Amazon's ecosystem and it looks like it will go the other way. So how do we unpick this kind of spaghetti of skills and music and voice assistants and hardware? Because at the moment, it feels like a mess and I can't really see a clear way out of it. It's a great question because when you look at the future, 
you have to look at what pressures are acting on these companies. And if you look at them individually, they just do their own thing. But a lot of the partner companies will integrate with both, particularly when it comes to the provision of skills or mm. actions. And I'm seeing that when there's demand from brands to, to build things as well. It used to be we'll go Amazon and not worry about, but now they're going, I want both Amazon and Google. I think the other thing to consider here is that on the really high volume stuff, yeah, you're, you're not going to want to close off your market. So the music providers, or if it's sufficiently popular, these are companies with deep pockets. So they're going to provide a lot of the similar core functionality. Mm. The spoiler in this is, you know, what is the smartphone you have? And that may push people one way or the other. And that's, you know, where Amazon arguably faces disadvantage. But I think ultimately, if we look forward a few years, I think they will come together in much the same way that there is sort of now talk around smart home with everything being cross-compatible with each other. And Amazon, I think, probably recognizing the disadvantage it has not being in the phone space has started to push that with a industry alliance around voice and interoperability. So my bet would be we will see something that will solve that to some extent and see some kind of harmonization of standards or at least something of an approach there. So some of that choice or that sense if you've got to go into one ecosystem or the other will go away. And I think that voice will just become a thin kind of user interface layer over the top of a much richer and deeper ambient computing landscape. And so that's the kind nice. of thing I expect to happen. That's what we've got him here for. The ambient kind of computing f- landscape. Yes. <laughs> Yes, And then the voice assistants will actually focus around delegation rather than this kind of interrogative commands. Yeah. What I mean by that is they'll almost act as concierges handing off to other services that will do things for you. And we will get much more trusting about, you know, like this is the age where everyone will have the equivalent of a PA or a concierge in the hotel mm-hmm. lobby, except it will be mediated very often through these voice assistance, which will transform into assistance in general, which you may reach by voice, you may reach by interacting with your phone, keyboard, or whatever. But as I say, all of those are going to be relatively thin layers to this idea of ubiquitous or ambient computing, whichever you prefer. So that's my two big bets. Harmonization, more towards ambient computing, and a greater sense of delegation. And that means integration with more services and more things. And that's a really interesting topic to think about, and it's probably for another episode. Yes, I was talking to the developer of the Voice in a Can app, which is that I referenced it a good few episodes ago. It's the third-party app that puts um, Alexa, puts Alexa, I definitely fell into that one, puts Amazon's (laughs) voice assistant into your Apple Watch and on your iPhone and things, and you could have it running on your, your Mac as well. And it's a fun hack. But I said to him, I really want to be able to type instructions in a kind of a WhatsApp style to the assistant because it would be great to be able to do it when I'm in a meeting or when I can't speak, but I still want the flexibility of having like a bot. That's a really nice next step. Yeah. And he said, actually, the licensing agreement specifically precludes text-based input. It's got to be voice-based input is the agreement they sign up to. So that might be because of how well it works. or It might be because of worries about misusing the system that you know it's harder mm. to generate fake voices, but it, it's certainly interesting to see that there is some prohibition of doing that. Finally, and I feel like this is a kind of a, again, as Rafe's already alluded to, there's a million topics in this. I just want to touch on privacy very quickly because I don't think you can talk about voice assistance without touching it. But also, I struggle to have anything sort of new to say on the subject. So I feel like we're at the point where these things are so common in the UK, in the US, and Mm. the markets we're familiar with that whilst people still want privacy, the initial concern is long since passed. And we're all totally, if not okay, at least accepting of the idea. Slightly relaxed. That our phone is always listening, our watch might be always listening, and the alarm clock thing in the corner of the kitchen is nearly always listening. And that actually, even with the scares we've had where some of the voice assistants leaked data or audio recordings of people saying trigger words and things, that hasn't been enough to change consumers behavior and hasn't been enough to dissuade people from using these things given the other convenience and the benefits they have aside from it being a marketing tool Rafe do you think you know Apple particularly calling out the additional privacy measures on their voice assistant do you see any movement on that kind of territory in the near term I would like to think that that's going to have greater consumer awareness in general but the kind of pattern of the last few years is there is a small 
audience segment that cares very much about that. But I think the companies involved can move their policy such that people will be happy enough. And Google has done that recently on a number of fronts Mm, and Amazon have done the same thing. So I think it remains a marketing thing for a small audience, but it's just not big enough. And getting people to understand and care about the full implication of that is very tricky until you get a nightmare headline. And (laughs) often those are unfair or kind of um, misdirect people Mm. anyway. And so I think actually the thing that still has to happen is some people still aren't comfortable talking with voice, whether that's in the privacy of their own home or more in public. And they don't always realize that it's being recorded and it can be played back to them anytime. So often when you show them the feature in the app in question, they're a bit horrified. But all the evidence so far to me kind of points it like privacy, security in general has become more important, but people are pretty cost conscious and that soon dissolves in the face of that and convenience and many other factors. So I just don't think it's a big enough determinator for the majority of consumers. And Ewan, as our representative of the whole international banking community everywhere. Hello. So, you know, take your responsibility fairly seriously here. And in 30 seconds, because we're short of time now, are we going to move on to do kind of more sensitive, high value transactions, things like banking and those sorts of things through these voice assistants, do you think? Are they sufficiently secure and private? I think we can get to the point whereby it can recognize your voice. I mean, Google has this already where it will recognize you speaking if you allow it i think that we're getting to a point whereby you're going to say yes um hey something send five pounds to ben right and i think that's the kind of the holy grail concept uh there but from a security standpoint i do remember various conversations at previous companies whereby we just you know we wanted our c-level executives to see the stuff to play with the stuff but we certainly didn't want them at their homes because we had this concern right if they're taking a phone call and they're helping a customer place you know 200 million or uh, helping someone buy someone, yeah, that, that there's something is listening, and that is a concern. So we didn't allow them in the office, and certainly not in the office areas of their homes. But then that all goes out the window when when your phones continue. This was a few years ago. You know, when, when every device you've got is now listening, that's quite difficult to control. But I think we will see this soon, and I, I do mean fairly soon. And I, I think I, w- I would be quite happy to say. In fact, I'm, I'm trying to remember back how the Amazon experience was. I said, "Do you want to buy this upgrade?" And I said, yes, in my best, you know, you and what, yes. <laughs> and I just went, all right. I thought, oh, dear. And now that, now, so Archie, my eldest son, has probably realized he can go and buy anything now. By just, <laughs> He's um, taking notes. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Google will identify me. So when I'm speaking to it, it pops up my photo. Yeah. Immediately to say, oh, yes, I, I, I understand it's me speaking as opposed to my son or somebody else. So we're, I don't think we're far away from a, you know, basic financial transactions with all the safety built in, you know, i.e., up to this amount and you know you must have to verify it or etc cetera, etc cetera. and certainly when we got our amazon devices the first thing i did was turn off any purchasing or anything like that because mm. at that point we had visitors to the home and i've enough friends who would enjoy to wind me up by ordering something you know kind of awkward or embarrassing on on amazon you know when we were out of the room so we turned all of that off but similarly during lockdown and in the uk it's been much more prominently displayed in shops that the payment limits for transactions through Apple Pay and Google Pay is much higher, hundreds of pounds versus the transaction limit for contactless payment with a card, because obviously there's that authentication piece. And I think if there was the equivalent of face ID or voice ID or something like that in the device, and it worked with the same Mm. level of precision and security that those do, I think I would be perfectly happy to say, pay my cleaner or transfer the money, you know, pay for the school trip or I don't know, tell me how much balance we have in the family bank account. Can I go shopping this week or that kind of stuff? Because they feel like things that I already provide lower credentials for. But balance is one that we'll always be happy with because that's read only, you know, and so. Yes. And it's potentially embarrassing or potentially sensitive information, but you can't make my life measurably worse by taking money away from me, you know, by compromising that. Yeah. We should wrap up. We've run out of time. Mm. I'm really fascinated by this. It feels like as Ray said, in a couple of years, the whole way that we interact with things in our house has changed. I'm almost amazed it's as long as it, you said it's been, Rafe, because it feels much shorter. You know, I can remember a time very clearly when there were no voice assistants at all. Oh, the quality was terrible. Mm. Well, mm. when we had the first Amazon device and when people came around and we talked to it to play music or something, it was a real <sighs> novelty. And it became a subject matter around the dinner table for the rest of the dinner. You know, and we had those dinners where people were sort of, you know, Amazon device, do you know how to play this song or that song or play me this album? And 
the evening would become sort of you know team curated songs and it was a great fun game to play but now mm. we don't do it because they've all got them as well and these are people who <laughs> you know perhaps are not interested in technology it's not right. just a techie gizmo anymore yes always interested to hear your feedback we've talked about amazon apple and google's devices today we've dismissed bixby samsung's voice assistant and were we right to dismiss it mm-hmm. were we are there any that we've omitted yeah. using voice assistants in a particularly interesting way. We didn't touch on accessibility or people with mm. vision or hearing impairment or anything like that this time around, but I know there's a huge community of people who use these devices in incredibly creative ways to enable them to access computing that would be less convenient in other ways, particularly people who have mobility issues or smart home for people who have assisted living needs is a huge market in its own right. And that's something that I'd mm. I'd love to learn more about. So if you've got any insight into that, please do drop us a line at 361podcast on Twitter, 361podcast.com. And um, also don't forget, you can leave us a review and uh, get a postcard from Rafe Blanford. I don't know if that's an incentive or a disincentive, but if you ask for not a postcard, then that's fine. We won't force you to have one, but you can win a uh, Blanford Manor mug, yeah. which I know every right-thinking person will want regardless of uh, your preferences elsewhere. So as always, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you to Mark for all his editing to make this episode buttery smooth. Thank you for all the uh, fun feedback online. We talked last week about subscriptions and there's been a little bit of feedback around some of those subscription services. We will come back to that in future episodes, but frankly, thank you to everyone who listens and gets in touch because that makes it a better show and a more fun thing to do. So. Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye. Goodbye. And we will be back in about a week or so, all things being equal, and as long as that asteroid doesn't get us. Yes. See you next week. Bye. Rafe Blanford's plant's been chopped. For those of you following along at home, the plant has had a chop. Mm-hmm. The Triffid's not terrific anymore. I think it's good you did that, Rafe. I think it's... Did that, was that over a weekend job? That I just moved it from one side of the room to the other. Oh, so it's not been chopped. You've just taken it out of your camera. It looks like you've, you've trimmed. Trim, trimmed your bushes. I need to lower the tone. Family show. It's over there looking much the same as it did before. Is it supported, though? I think you should support it a bit more. Since <laughs> Rafe's going, come on, I believe in you. Yes, I told him it's a great plant and it's doing good things. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's the one from a colleague here. I've just heard the King of Spain's been quarantined on his private jet. Says the rain in Spain stays mainly on the plane. <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool. Uh, that's quite cool. There we go. My doctor's given me some anti-gloating cream. Now all I want to do is rub it in. I do like that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Again, one of my colleagues sent this message the other week saying, okay. um, do you know the definition of a gentleman? Somebody who knows how to play the accordion but doesn't. <laughs> For the record, and I'm not complaining about family issues just on the podcast, mm. I have raised this in real life. Uh, my wife bought our son a toy harmonica. Oh. And um, yeah, that that is not a decision I endorse, to be honest. Yes. Well, wait a minute. Come on. It's helping him explore. It's not. It's helping him communicate to people from a distance how he's breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it got lost. Oh, no. It got lost up onto the high shelf. Very sad. <laughs> I know, desperate times. Although I was in the house and they came back from the shops and I heard the crunch as the car drove onto the gravel of the driveway and I heard them getting out. And then I just heard this, It's ah! <laughs> like, what on earth? <laughs> and this was like me inside the house upstairs with headphones on working and uh, yeah, it wasn't good at all. <laughs> Great one. Who's doing the intro this week? I think it's back to you, isn't it? Seven. Woo! Okay, I think right. so, yeah. yeah. Let's give it a go then, shall we? Yeah. Hello and welcome. Come on. I'm just thinking about what I'm going to say, which is fatal, because now oh, I'm dear. in my Oh, in my dear. Head. Yeah. Okay, let's give it a go. Oonka, boonka, oonka, boonka, oonka, boonka. That put you off? It worried me. I don't know if it's put me off so much. <laughs> okay, right. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile technology in the world around. Season 19, Episode 7, and this week we're talking about voice assistants. We discuss how we use them, what they're good for, and how we think they might improve in the future. Week. You need a little bit more excitement, Ben. You sound tired. Uh, yeah, you could bring a bit more energy to it. But not as much as Ewan. Not as much as me, but... Just put a cork in it, Ewan, and let Ben get on with it. What was, what was it he said to you, Rafe? Something about, you, could you just upgrade your personality or something? He said something to you a little I d- while. I definitely never said that. <laughs> something like, you, say it as though you mean it or something. Just pretend you're enjoying it, I think, was the quote. <laughs>
week we're talking about voice assistants, how we use them, what they're good for, and how we think they're going to evolve in the future. That one. That'll do. Not doing it again. There you go. That'll do. Yeah. It won't get any better than that. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Just before, can we have a sausage roll check-in, please? Blanford, what's the status in sausage rolls? How are we oh, doing? I haven't had any sausage rolls recently. I've eaten all the ones in the freezer. Okay. I need to make some more now in lockdown too. Are you going to the estate for Christmas, um, Blanford? Yeah, I haven't really got that far yet. There's going to be no more content for the show now, and poor Mark has to trawl through all this in case we say something relevant. Lots of love, Mark. Lots of love. So should we stop the recording? Well, wait. Say a slightly rubbish joke. Why the long face? <laughs> okay, done. <laughs> Three, two, one, stop. Have you stopped? One multimedia suite located 30 feet beneath the Blanford estate. Attention, attention. Operation Telegraph Pole has been a success. Well done, everybody. Well done. Oh, hi, it's Mark from the Multimedia Suite. Um, Waffles, nice to speak to you. I thought you'd be with Mr. Ray from the London apartment. No, I'm not. I thought that would be quite obvious. Uh, all right, OK. Um, yeah, could you, if he's free, could you put me through to Mr. Blanford Senior, please? Yes? Ah, oh, Mr. Blanford. I've just put out the order to cancel Operation Telegraph Pole. That's wonderful. We've managed to keep the location secret, so um, touch wood. I think uh, we got away with it this time. I can't thank you enough. No, no need to thank me. It's a pleasure. Goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Well, that is my day done. Oh, hi. It's great news about Operation Telegraph Pole, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant news. We can all breathe a sigh of relief now, I think. Well, let's hope so. Sorry? Well, have you thought of every contingency? <laughs> what, Ray's going to send postcards out to people or something? That'd be ridiculous. OK. Let's hope it's buttery smooth. <laughs>